What's up? Welcome back. Hopefully this stream works. I'm going to give it like 20 seconds to boot up here, but uh, welcome back. I know we went live for just a short period of time, maybe 20 or 30 uh, minutes over lunch. And we're trying to do these like little live streams. For those of you that don't know and are new here, um, I am a former investment banker and hedge fund analyst in New York City, a uh, longtime investor, very in innovation oriented, uh, current tech CFO. And uh, yeah, so I'm pretty busy during the day, uh, all things considered. So going live during lunch times really saves a lot of time because I don't know if you know this, but you know, being a YouTuber, uh, you know, I didn't know this. I've never, and I still don't really consider myself a YouTuber, but being a YouTuber is tough because you have to script, shoot, and cutting and editing is just a lot of work. So going live is just a lot easier for me. I've got everything in here. I read a lot and then I have everything in here and I do a lot of analysis and then adding on shooting and scripting and, and all that stuff is, is always tough. But welcome, it's Thursday, February 4th, 2021. Uh, crazy, crazy times. Obviously we're still in the middle of the AMC, GameStop, um, I don't know, Blackberry, uh, Wall Street Bets era here, which only started the beginning of last week. And obviously we're gonna go over some of that. Um, I'm not gonna clickbait you with the, uh, with the title. We'll, we'll go over some of that for those of you that are new. Um, if you're new here, uh, thanks so much. And don't forget to like the video. And uh, you know, I think likes really help the algorithm, especially for live. So if you can do me a huge favor and just like the, like the stream, um, that, that's the most you can do for me for any value um, that you receive. And uh, also subscribe if you want more from a hedge fund analyst and, and from an investor. So uh, trying to make everything that I used to do just for me and my family and my friends uh, available for now just a bigger group of friends here. So anyway, so as usual, this week's video is brought to you by Fundrise, which is my favorite way to invest in solid, diversified private real estate without actually having to own and manage your own properties. Uh, really low minimums, uh, I think it was like 500 buck minimum. So I know a lot of you have kind of tested them out and been happy. Uh, it's a lot more on the conservative side. So if you're looking for real estate allocation, diversified real estate, they are you know investing in all t different types of asset classes. So like multifamily, commercial, stuff like that. And, you know, with the kind of craziness in the public REIT market, you know, I, I think it's probably my favorite way to diversify into real estate these days, especially since like, for those of you that don't know, right, and you're new here, uh, part and parcel with me moving down for my <clears throat> tech CFO role, you know, me and some of my other hedge fund and just colleagues, we bought, you know, millions of dollars worth of, of uh, Nashville real estate, Nashville, Tennessee, where I'm at, I'm at now. Uh, back in 2016, 17, after we'd studied the landscape of what's like the most attractive asset. And, you know, fast forward to today with the low interest rate environment, everybody wanting to buy a home, everybody working from home, uh, values have gone up across the board. Rents are down, vacancy is up. So your rents are down, right? So your yield on the principal you're paying is just worse now. So I think single family rentals, in my opinion, are not the place to be putting as an asset class. Obviously you can find a good deal here and there, but single family rentals aren't really a good place, um, in my opinion, to be putting a lot of money to. Uh, so I think Fundrise is probably a really good option if, if you're still yearning for that allocation. Um, I really, we're in talks with them. They, first of all, 
I was putting in the chat earlier, uh, like different companies all like I get, I get so many, uh, offers for sponsorship, but I, from the very beginning, right, this was just to help people and help my friends. So I'm, I'm not going to take a sponsorship unless I truly believe in the product and use it myself. Fundrise is something that I've actually tracked. I've been using them and tracking to them like for seven years and I reached out to them and, uh, you know, and we'll continue to reassess, but Fundrise is really interesting because, uh, we're going to, I'm actually in talks with them. Hopefully they like me pitching them this, but I want us to actually glean some, some content from their investment team. So it'd be really cool to have this like deal going that I'm talking to them with where they feed us like the actual data that they have, um, about the real estate markets, because that's just something that I can't, um, always keep up with because we're talking stocks here. So anyway, but you know, I am traditionally trained in, uh, you know, stock analysis, uh, corporate finance and valuation. But at the end of the day, the reason why we named our, our thing on the website, ROIC return on invested capital is because we're in here for a, a well-diversified, uh, compounding longer term portfolio that we can all use for the next 10 or 20 years and navigating the markets wisely and f getting that five X, 10 X, maybe 20 X return over 20 years, because that's the way that most of us are going to retire wealthy or retire financially free. Right. I think you, you see a lot of, of false content out there about, um, about how, oh, you can get rich quick or you can day trade. Right. But if, how are you day trading and making a lot of money if you don't have that much money saved? Right. That's the whole thing. And it takes up your whole day. And even if it's true, which I, you know, neither here nor there. Uh, so the majority of us, including me, right. I just have a very high earning career, but I mean, regardless, right. The majority of us build wealth by W2 income, not spending lavishly and saving money, reinvesting that saved money that you have into the, into good investments over time and navigating that over time, not trading, but navigating them, right? The market gets too frothy, sell a little bit. The market gets really cheap, buy a lot and save some more money and buy in. And all the while, having a portfolio that is focused on innovation at a reasonable price that will compound like 20 X. Right. So, you know, uh, we don't need to dig into that, but I know we have a lot of new folks. This is, might be the first, um, Thursday live stream. We've been doing this for like, uh, over six months here at sense, but a lot of new folks and we do this every uh, Thursday. So just wanted to bring you up to speed with what we're all about here. Um, no get rich quick stuff. Uh, and everything here is my opinions, not advice, uh, just for my friends. So, uh, also don't forget to join, um, morning sense, which is our free daily email newsletter, uh, at a couple sense.com. Uh, and you know, it's completely free. I get, I wake up really early. We basically cover the news and I put my reactions on it, like in terms of how that might affect your portfolio. And some of you did, um, did, uh, you know, sign up and seems like you guys enjoy it. So it seems to be helpful for you, for a lot of people. I mean, we have like over 12,000 people on it and then consider joining ROIC, which is our, um, premium kind of research community that we're building. Uh, you know, you get some of my premium stock analysis and write-ups. You get to see all my favorite investments and, uh, and trades in real time. Now I alert you via email, um, via just a manual, like MailChimp. Um, and then you get to see some tools like famous investors, favorite stocks and holdings and screens and all that stuff. Um, and you know, I have some finance training videos on there as well. So, uh, it's just there to help the content and I appreciate you all. So thanks for being here. Um, cool. So the 
Big news of the day. I mean, let's cover the markets really quickly, right? Uh, initial jobless claims came out to this week at about 780,000 last week, which was lower than market, which is a good thing. Um, equities were stronger today. The S&P was up about 1% uh, after that beat on jobless claims. Uh, you know, the 10-year yield is unchanged, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, those of you that are in ROIC, you, you saw my premium research uh, write-up or the weekly, uh, mostly weekly uh, premium newsletter write-up about how like I'm getting a little bit nervous about the market. So go read that if you missed it and you're a ROIC member. And uh, yeah, so let's cover some of the topics that this thing's titled. And again, you guys, if you're, if you're coming in here, please don't forget to uh, like the video. It really helps me on the algorithm. Um, and... Uh, yeah, for sure. And if, if you, you know, this stuff is always kind of messy. I've been doing it for over six months now, probably more like nine months, but it's always going to be messy because it's just on the fly. So um, it's real, it's raw. It's not going to be super, uh, you know, and I, first of all, thank you for listening and being here because I know there's a lot of investing content out there that I do respect, like the Investors Podcast. Um, you know, there's, there's so much material out there and this one's just a little bit more raw than the others. Uh, so I'm just going to click on something real quick. I'm juggling like four screens over here. Um, meet the site. All right. So let's talk about, for those of you that are kind of in, uh, how many likes do we have? 270. Thank you guys. My goal is to hit a thousand likes during this, this stream. It would, it would mark quite a, quite a, uh, quite an achievement here for our little channel. So, uh, talking about, let's save. Let's show, hold on, I'm going to show GME stock. For those of you that bought into GME stock, okay? Uh, let's see, got to increase this for you all. You can see me just moving this around. Okay, so GME stock, obviously down a ton. Look, I wanted to cover GameStop. I really wanted to cover AMC. Uh, for those of you Relic members, please you know, stay with us. Some of us are beginners and, and are only getting interested in stocks because of this. And we all start our investing journey somewhere. So uh, every loss that I've ever made in the markets is just expensive tuition. And quite honestly, I think I've spent less on my losses in the market than I did like my college tuition, even though I only had three years. But um, And uh, basically on Sunday, I didn't want to say it, because I know, like, knew a lot of people would ring me for it. I was on Brian Jung's channel, which a lot of you have, uh, you, you know, subscribed from from his channel. I, I tiptoed around it, but he asked for predictions, and I said, if I had to choose, because no one can predict, we're going to go down from there. And the reason is from from Sunday, so that was three twenty-five. And the reason why I said that was because there are two reasons why this thing pumped, right? One, it was a normal short squeeze. Two, it was uh, we had a gamma squeeze, which is when a lot of people are buying out of the money options, short dated, and the you know, and that basically makes the market makers and the folks selling those options to options buyers on Robinhood, uh, they have to buy the stock to collateralize that position. So now you have two rocket boosters, right? That's why it shot up, and that's why it shot up here. And also, the short interest was like one hundred and forty percent. Now on Sunday, uh, I looked at my institutional data and it did show that the short interest was only like 30 or 40% and that most of the shorts were covered. And so you've lost the end also after Friday, 
no one was because of the volatility, no one was willing to sell out of the money short dated options because they would get their, like a lot of those people who sold those call options got their face ripped off figuratively, almost literally. And so if, if no one's selling more options, you've lost the gamma squeeze. So that's one of your rocket boosters taken away. So now you only have the short squeeze now, but also that short squeeze rocket booster is much, is very, very depleted because a lot of the short interest, contrary to the public data sets that I saw out there, has it was more than halved over the weekend. And then furthermore, because Robinhood, and again, thank you so much for being here because I know Meet Kevin, who's 1.25 million subscriber guy, um, he's got the CEO of Robinhood on his, his channel, but we already know what he's said. We already broke it down for you. Um, Robinhood and some of these like apps had to pause trading because of the technicalities of clearing houses and stuff like that. I'm not going to go over uh, that again. And um, and so you've now lost that. And then you had a bunch of distraction by the only reason why Wall Street Bets was able to pump this thing was because uh, we had unity. We were united on sticking it to the man, sticking it to Melvin Capital and everyone's focused on one stock. And then, you know, once they started halting on the stock, a lot of people were pumping. Like I even posted a TikTok, which is where I got my start, a quarter million followers on there. And like everyone kept posting Dogecoin, Dogecoin. We're going to Dogecoin, boys. Like, and then you have, so now you have uh, Dogecoin, AMC, BlackBerry, GameStop. So now like, a thousand people buying GameStop. Now it's you have like two hundred people buying GameStop, two hundred people buying Dogecoin, two hundred people buying BlackBerry, et cetera, et cetera. So all that to say, the confluence of that, I basically had picked. I was the only one who picked lower, um, and so you know these things. I I released two YouTube videos, I, you know, uh, on it uh, last week, early last week, covering it, and I said everyone we were on the sidelines. You know, we were on the, we we're on the sidelines. And because we're investors here and you don't like, again, this thing could have gone to a thousand if we had just had that for another day, then the pump for another day. Uh, but at the end of the day, we have a lot of people who lost a lot of money who, you know, good, good for roaring kitty. Good for who is also username, deep effing value. Good for him for making 20 at the end of the day, probably 20 million bucks or something 10, um, and finding it at four bucks a share. But, I feel bad for those of you that really went in on it at the top when it was getting the most hype and then all the confluence of events put the kibosh on GameStop. Now, GameStop at 50 bucks is probably twice as high as I would buy into it for as a value stock. I think there is a legitimate turnaround story here. Uh, but like I said, I don't see how they can pivot to uh, e-commerce unless they buy another company in. So like the whole point is uh, this, you know, Co the founder of Chewy, uh, Cohen is now at the helm and he's going to pivot this thing to be an e-commerce play um, and sort of a successful turnaround in GameStop, whereas Blockbuster couldn't turn themselves around. But I just don't know how they're going to... Uh, Storm the beaches of Xbox, storm the beaches of PlayStation, storm the beaches of the mobile, of mobile, and storm the beaches of uh, of computer that's dominated by Steam and EA. Those stores. So, 
I don't know. There's a lot of questions, but I'm not buying at 50 bucks. And so, um, you know, if you hold it at a loss, first of all, I feel for you. Second of all, welcome. Just getting interested in this stuff is honestly invaluable, right? There are a lot of people that didn't compound their wealth. Um, I've lost a lot of money in when I was really young and I was lucky enough to be bit by the bug in like middle school. So, uh, yeah, I mean, everyone gets bit by the bug at different points. Just don't let it spoil you on investing. Um, but let, let the lesson kind of burn into your mind here that, you know, don't chase the herd. Um, bulls make money, bears make money, but pigs get slaughtered. That's the traditional wall street saying, uh, pigs are those that follow the bulls and bears. So again, what the crowd is doing, we are contrarians, but I also think that that term is overused on wall street. We're contrarians, but we're very curious and open-minded contrarians. Uh, we try to do, we don't just automatically do against the herd, but we just want to be on the sidelines and be very nimble and be very logical and be very disciplined. So that's why we're here. Um, thank you all for being here. If you're new here, if you're filtering, if you're filtering in, uh, please don't forget to like the video. My goal for this video is a thousand likes, um, and we're at 430. So thank you so much. Uh, we're going to be doing this for at least another hour and 10 minutes. Uh, so cool. So that's game stock and game stop stock. And that, that's actually kind of a tricky thing. And obviously AMC is just a mini version of it. I think the, the good thing though, if you've lost your money on AMC is, well, hopefully you didn't buy it 20 bucks, but at seven bucks, right? You're only about triple where it was, maybe double where it was. And this is a legitimate turnaround story. I think AMC is a little bit easier of a turnaround story, in my opinion, than GameStop. Because if, if you, those of you that have been on the channel for a while know I love software so much. And going from retail brick and mortar and storming the beaches on software when there are established software uh, platforms is just tougher to me than AMC, who has a lot of assets. Um, it's, it's a unique kind of irreplaceable asset. Uh, and they were in talks to getting acquired by Amazon, right? Amazon doing a, uh, what they did to Whole Foods sort of with, with theater. So I don't really know. And again, we talked about it on Brian's stream, I think, or maybe my last stream, I'm not really sure, uh, where, you know, they could pivot to like eSports facilities, et cetera, et cetera. So that's cool. Um, so I think it's easier for me to think about holding AMC if you've lost money on AMC, right? If you, you bought in at 13 bucks and you're down to seven, like it's easier for me to believe if you believe this pandemic is going to kind of wane very quickly and people will go back to theaters. Then I do think that like this one's a little bit more of a justifiable hold than GameStop. Um, but you know, if you believe in the turnaround in GameStop, then, you know, go ahead, I think. Um, okay. So now that we've covered uh, GameStop and AMC, let's cover, uh, Peloton's earnings. So Peloton. Okay. So let's, let's go over. So everyone, for those of you new here, uh, when I was a tiny little channel, like under 10,000 subscribers, I still think of myself as a tiny, uh, channel. Um, welcome everyone. This is fun. It's always fun. Um, anyway, cool. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I, I'm just struggling so much. So we picked Peloton at like 50, 55 bucks a share. Uh, you can go all the way back and see my Peloton. Uh, I'm going to show you my, I did Peloton like way back when, right? 
Yes. It was so bad. This thumbnail was so bad. It was 30 minutes. It only got 4,500 views. I guess this is only six months ago. It seems like forever ago. But I did this pitch on Peloton. And for those of you that are like, oh, it's, it's still on the, it's a bike with an iPad on it. That's where I came from. I came from there. And then I, after doing the research and digging, um, just, just go, go check it out. And, the, and that pitch deck is still uh, a downloadable for Roic members at a couple cents.com. So, uh, yeah, so go watch that. I know it's 30 minutes long, but you guys are here for an hour or so. Um, Peloton reported earnings today. And let's look at what happened to Peloton stock. Um, let's see, Peloton. So it's interesting, right? Peloton rallied 7% before earnings and then tanked 8% after earnings. So at the end of the day, right, in the after hours trading, it's at 145 bucks a share. But as of yesterday, what was yesterday? Is that 145 bucks a share? So the dramatic, this is a drama queen stock today. But I, you know, I would probably say that this is a prime example of buy the rumor, sell the news. Uh, I personally am not a intra earnings trader, or I've never been in that game in the hedge fund world either. Like I've always been at least a few quarters, um, even working at some of the, the bigger funds. Uh, but there's always this, there's this dynamic that we see on Wall Street of buy the rumor, sell the news. And so it seems like this is a prime example of that. So buy the rumor of a good earnings report and sell the news. And then we're right back where we started, 145 bucks a share. So you know, at the end of the day, is it, am I buying now? Uh, you know, this is a, one of our favorite stocks long-term. It's tripled since we first recommended it, uh, like back here, right? It's tripled. And, you know, we still like it for sure. It's stretching the valuation, but I really do like how they, um, how they bought Precore, which is, you know, one of the legacy three biggest, uh, biggest manufacturers of like gym equipment. And I even said in that pitch deck, I think there's further upside in this company. If they can storm the beaches, that's going to be the analogy of today, uh, storm the beaches of the hotel, gym, et cetera, like like apartment building types of markets. And they just, I even see it, right? These new condo buildings are building these small, but very luxury, uh, or at least they look nice, Peloton studios. And they're marketing that as a benefit uh, for, uh, hey, Bruce, nice to see you. Guys, Bruce is an awesome guy. Go follow his channel. Uh, I was lucky enough to meet him uh, through, you know, through Brian, uh, Brian the other day. So, hey, Bruce, everyone uh, go follow his channel if you haven't already, but he's much bigger than us over here. So maybe a lot of you already do. Um, we're talking about Peloton though. So, so pre-core, right? So like, I'm not going to pull up my discounted cash flow model again, which I've been flaunting now, but um, you know, when it was at like 50, 55 bucks a share, my upside case on the stock was 150 bucks a share and we're there. So does that mean we should sell? Well, we haven't sold yet. The thing, they, they've really performed well. Um, if I kind of look at their, um, don't worry, we'll go through the actual earnings. Uh, if I look at their valuation compared to their estimates, they're still trading for, uh, well, let's see, fiscal year 21. 
Yeah, I guess they're stretching their uh, their valuation now. I mean, they're at like, you know, we we are buying in at like 23 times forward gross profit. I have to audit these numbers because they've changed on me a bit. 23 times forward gross profit. But this is also a company that's doubling, more than doubling per year. They're they're more than doubling every single year. And it's kind of crazy. Uh, this is a product. And whether or not, right, I think it skews female. So it's part of the reason why we missed a lot of the pins, Pinterest upswing, right? Uh, you know, just by the data, I look at it. And welcome if, if you're not. But uh, we have a at least 75% male skew here. And, you know, Peloton's like Peloton's skew female. Maybe not. Yeah, maybe 75, 25 the other way. And, but as I, like I, I have, I see all my friends with Pelotons. So if you're upper middle class or up through the pandemic or not even through the pandemic, everyone's buying a Peloton and they can't fulfill volumes uh, nearly fast enough. So you're talking about a company that's more than doubling every year at scale. You're talking about a company that has amazing unit economics similar to Roku, where they infiltrate your home with hardware and then sell you subscription software economics on that hardware. And you're talking about um, a company that like its only problem is the fact that like they killed earnings. So let's go over it together. They killed it, earnings. Uh, okay, so I mean, they maybe not killed earnings on expectations, but on a, as a long-term investor, they straight up killed they're killing it. They're killing it. Um, so the street expected 3.95 billion in revenues. Hold on. Um, 3.95 billion in revenues. Uh, 1.64 in gross profit. Oh, this is the fiscal year. So let, let's go to the quarter. What did they expect for Q2 fiscal year 2021? Which is what, what they just reported. So a billion... A billion three, a billion thirty million, one point zero three billion in revenue, four hundred and six million in gross profit, seventy seven million in EBITDA, which is for those of you that are new here and just getting started, EBITDA is basically cash profit. So revenue minus direct expenses. So if I sell you a hamburger minus the food costs would be gross profit. So how much money I make per per burger I sell, and then all the corporate costs like rent and staff and all that stuff, then you get to EBITDA, which is like your cash profit. So we really care about EBITDA eventually, um, but some of these higher growth ones, they are reinvesting the cash. So that's what they're expecting. So let's, let's look at uh, earnings. Here it is. So I pulled it up. I read it earlier. I mean, let's just go to the headlines. They, they grew the connected fitness subscription to that. So that's just a straight up software as a service product. Well, actually, no, no, sorry. Connected fitness subscriptions, for those of you that don't know, sorry, I misspoke, is the software that they get, uh, that they sell Peloton hardware users. And my thesis back then was they sell you this thing and they make money on the bike for sure. But the, you, no one in the world owns a Peloton without the subscription. And that's kind of genius, right? And so if you're not going to buy, if you're not going to use the subscription, you sell that Peloton bike and you probably downgrade to a cheaper one, right? Right? And so the attach rate of the software on the hardware 
is is almost a hundred percent, and it's it's crazy actually. Even uh, even when you when because you expect them to churn and whatever. Um, so they grew connected fitness subscriptions by 134%. So they're growing just straight up bike and treadmill sales and SaaS subscriptions by 134%. And they have pricing power. They can double the price if they want to and people will still subscribe. And what's really interesting here, they quintuple digital subscriptions. So the people that don't want to buy a full bike but want to kind of work out in front of their TV on their Roku stick, they're quintupling the, the amount of subscribers there. Now that's probably more floozy after the pandemic is over, that piece, but it's, it's really, that's straight to bottom line. The, basically, for those of you new to software investing, they can, they can sell you more software and they have no other costs to sell you an additional subscription. So anyway, so they're growing at 130%. Workouts, they're growing at, they're quadrupling or whatever and uh, uh, you know, tripling and quadrupling. So 1.98 million, sorry, where's revenue? Uh, 1.1 billion in total revenue. Oh, that's Q3, hold on. Q2 total revenue, 1.064. So that's a beat, right? I can't show you everything, but 1.064. So that's a beat. Uh, gross profit margin, I did the math, that's a beat. And 10 million in adjusted EBIT, or sorry, sorry, 39.9% connected fitness gross margin. Uh, that's a beat. And an adjusted EBITDA was a beat. Or maybe that was a slight miss. Let me take a look real quick. EBITDA, 77 million. Yeah, they, they killed Justin Ebda. So the street was expecting 77 million in profit and they, they posted one point, uh, sorry, 117 million in profit. That's crazy. They beat, I mean, this was a beat. This was a beat. This, this company's killing it. This company's continuing to kill it, kill it. And the only problem is that they're guiding that they have to spend more money and it, it looks like the margins are going to suffer next quarter because they want to, they're spending more money trying to get their customers the products faster because more people in the world want to buy Pelotons than they even have Pelotons to deliver. So that's yes. And for those of you saying it's a, um, it's a only a pandemic spike. Sure. But I have to say as someone who is in the core demo, right? Upper middle class, upper class, uh, relatively young. So the millennials, so I, I'm a, young thinking millennial, but in reality, I'm like in the middle. So I'm like 30 millennials are ranging from 25 to 40. I think, I think the first millennials are turning 40. Um, <clears throat> look, we're in a new world going forward. Uh Oh, my camera just shut off. I don't know why. Sorry about that. That's weird. Okay, my camera just shut off. Uh, so we're back. Uh, but we're in a new world, right? We are in a new world. It's a pandemic, post-pandemic world. This thing's going to be an endemic. And, you know, like, I can go back to a gym, but I'm still going to have my Peloton, if that makes sense. I'm still going to have my Peloton. Trust me. And uh, if you see in person, because I see it, uh, the the network effects where like 
my wife's work is basically sponsoring Peloton coworker rides. And and we're their people are doing birthday rides, right? It's something that I don't like. I don't like working out like that. But I see it and I know it. And this thing is still along. I'm still long, right? The upside might not be as good as it was at 55 bucks a share, but nothing's changed here. So we've dedicated a lot of um, a lot of time to Peloton. Um, and again, like, is it it's down eight percent? Is it a good time to get in? Well, let's clear something up, right? It's no better to get in after an 8% drop than it was yesterday because yesterday is at 145 too. So yeah, I mean, my upside target price was 150 way back when, when I did a full DCF on it. Uh, but I think value probably 30% higher after I know they're buying pre-core and all this other stuff. Like don't bet against this company. And uh, you know, we have our own little win against Citron Research that had a short report against Peloton back then at 55, thinking this would be like a five to $10 stock. So. Anyway, cool. Thank you so much. I can see the chat for those of you. Yes, I can see, I can read the chat. Just a lot coming at me. So we talked about Peloton. We talked about AMC. Uh, we talked about GameStop. So if you're new here, welcome. Please like the video for the algorithm. I will love you for an ever and ever. And the only reason why we do this is because this is a group of friends and this is stuff I nerd out on and I invest myself. Uh, with me and my friends and colleagues on Wall Street. And I might as well just do it for a bigger group of friends. So thank you so much for joining us. Um, and don't forget to like the video. It really helps me with the algorithm and, and everything. And don't forget to subscribe if you want more investing content. And we'll find the next Peloton, right? I, for those of you that just joined, right? We'll find it. We, we invested back here. We're still invested. And we'll find the next one. I mean, we were in Spotify. And uh, yeah. And someone asked me, do I like, uh, what's a... Yeah, if you could get my likes up, that'd be so, uh, so great. So thank you so much. Appreciate it. Um, anyway, it's great to be here. Great to be here. Uh, if you're new here, uh, check out a couplesense.com uh, link below. If uh, we take, if you're, now that Roic is actually growing um, and has enough folks, we take uh, the topics. So now for, now for the next hour, uh, we will be doing kind of open research by the community. The ROIC community has this weekly uh, upvoting of topics, which I'm looking at right now. So join ROIC if you want to upvote for topics and stuff. But we also allow for public, anybody can just call in. Uh, the number the, is in the description below. Everything's in the description below. So a couplesense.com, everything, the free daily email newsletter sign up, everything's below. Um, but you can call in and call that number. And I try to take care of like five to 10 of them a night. So. Um, so thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you as much as you appreciate me. Uh, cool. So the first question from the ROIC community is how can we expect the compounders to perform during a period of increasing yields that would tank overvalued growth stocks? So if that happens, I think some of these compounders might go from, uh, they might, I mean, you might see a 30% haircut in a full market um, market retreat, right? So let's just pull up Amazon. I'm very public with how much I love Amazon. And if you want to know about Bezos, I think we covered it earlier this week. In a video and obviously in, on the website, you can always just do all the newsletter stuff and all the write-ups and all the contents at a couplesense.com. So you can just like search it on the website. Um, so Amazon is trading at, call it 22 times forward EBITDA, right? 
and they're growing at a 20% clip on top line and they're so dominant, et cetera, et cetera. Even like what kind of $1.67 trillion company grows at 20%? There's only a few, right? So what's the lowest valuation this thing's ever traded on, on EV to EBITDA basis? Well, I mean like 20 times EBITDA, I mean, going back all the way, right? I mean, maybe during the tech boom when it was still a fledgling comp company, maybe it was lower, but over the past, whatever, like seven years. So my thing is, I do think that the, you can see weakness in the compounders, but at the end of the day, you have a lot more cash flow and the, the compounders like Amazon, Facebook, Google, et cetera, uh, they are backed up by much more cash flow. The valuations are much lower, right? So for those of you new here, the whole point of this is I don't like to be Icarus, right? I love innovation. I love tech. I love growth. That's where I lean. I'm not naturally in my heart of hearts, a deep value guy, a vulture investor. Although that's generally where I've been trained. That's a lot of wall street is like that. Okay. What's going on? I don't know why my, my uh, camera's dying here. Technical difficulty. I'm, I'm sorry. All right. Well, you guys are gonna have to deal with my little light ring. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, this is very, very strange. Very, very strange. Um, sorry guys. Yeah. Okay. You're, we're back. We're back. We're back. Um, all right. This is so crazy. Oh, hold on one second. Man, the camera took the opportunity when I said this is raw and real, it, it, like the camera is capitalizing on that, huh? This has never happened. Maybe my camera's overheating. I don't know what's going on. Anyway, whatever. We're talking about uh, how capital compounders are going to perform during a, a, a period of increasing yields. So what's baked into the price, right, is not as much like lofty expectations about what the company is valued in year 10. With an Amazon, it already has like how much in profit it has you know, 72 million, billion dollars, billion dollars, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, 72 billion dollars in cash profits per year expected for this year. So it's valued much more in the here and now. So when, when yields and the yield curve steepens and yields go up, then the valuations aren't as affected, right? Because there's not as much baked in about that. What it are, is affected are stocks like Tesla, stocks like uh, Lemonade, stocks like Invitai, like all these things where everybody's like focused on way over there. Like I think I respect the, the hell out of Kathy Wood and ARK Invest and I, I do love ARK Invest. Um, but I will say similar to how Warren Buffett made all of his returns in one of the... Um, best periods of times for value investing and a p just a period of time where value investing, if you'd just been a value investor during there, there's a reason why all those gurus like Peter Lynch and like all these guys, or maybe not Peter Lynch, but like all the, that's what, that was the birth of value investing, right? Kathy is getting a ton of returns. One, because she's picked really great stuff, but also it's like she has a second rocket booster. She's also super talented. I, I love her. I listen to all of her stuff. Like she's great. Um, and I really respect what ARK's doing. Uh, 
but also just I want to be make sure I don't want to be holding ARK Invest in a period where yields aggressively move up and inflation moves like yields go up, the yield curve st steepens and we see a growth market sell off, which is something that we're just we're a little bit more um, we're a little bit more uh, cognizant here at Sense. So, I mean, we, we sit at the intersection of value investing and growth investing here. So anyway, that's that market. one. That one is done. Hopefully camera, please survive. How to efficiently diversify a portfolio with limited savings. This is a problem that I have experienced in my lifetime. I grew up middle-class Southern California for those of you that don't know. Um, and you know, I worked my, my ass off to get to a really high paying career, but there's a reason why anybody who's made it says your first million is the hardest. Your second million dollars or whatever, your first hundred thousand dollars is honestly like 50 times harder than your second times, second hundred thousand. And your first million dollars is 50 times harder than your second million dollars. And that's just a, a matter of fact. Oh gosh, hold on. That's so annoying. I just. I'll be back. Just give me a sec. Alrighty, I'm back. Okay, it's way too zoomed into my face. I'm not that pretty. All right, I'm back. Sorry, guys. Hold on. I have, I have backup lights. This is a, that was a first, right? I think it's a power supply issue. Um, all right. Uh, okay. Hey, guys. Oh, thank you so much. I, you all didn't close the window. Okay. First of all, if you're here, thank you so much for being here. We do this every Thursday, 8 p.m. Uh, Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. And uh, don't forget to smash that like button because it really helps with the algorithm. Thank you so much. Appreciate you all. Um, all right. So what were we talking about? Okay. How to efficiently diversify a portfolio. I was t telling you how your first million is the hardest. Your first hundred thousand is the hardest because the, the reality of it is for those of us on W2 earnings, um, uh, basically you have to spend like the cost of a car, the cost of a burrito, a Chipotle burrito, the cost of gas, the cost of uh, a rent or a house is the same for you and me, right? or the same for you and Jeff Bezos. It's the same. So at the end of the day, you have to save your way to 50,000, 100,000, a million, right? At a, at a certain point. Now, that, but that's not the point, right? You can invest while you're saving, right? You put a lot, a lot of that savings into a portfolio that we try to manage, like, you know, how I would manage it at a couple cents.com for ROIC members. Like that's, that's the goal here is like, what am I investing with my 401k? and my, my, my hard-earned savings. Now, the matter, like the way the world works is compound interest. Like the way, if you hold investment assets and they're good, they will increase in value on an exponential scale, but you have to get past that first tail, right? 10% of 
of 100,000, 10% of 110,000, 10% of that, 10% of that, 10% of that, and soon enough in 10 years, right? So if you have a 15% return every single year, you double your money in like five years, just less than five years. If you have a 20% return every year, then you double your money every like three and a half years. If you, if you um, everyone look up the rule of 72, like that thing. Um, so all that to say, and why am I talking about this, about how to efficiently diversify a portfolio with limited savings? First of all, if you're still there, focus on saving. Like you're gonna grow your net worth more by focusing, if you, if you don't have enough to even like to have to worry about the number of shares you're buying, focus on adjusting your life, which is a great, like Graham Stephan and, and those guys, they're gonna, they're gonna be much better at, at teaching you that kind of stuff or like uh, Dave Ramsey or whatever. Focus on saving. Save, save as much as you money as mon, much money as you can make and also develop your skill sets, reinvest in yourself to, to develop your skill sets to have a higher earning potential, right? But also invest that money for sure. What I would say is if you look at the ROIC portfolio and you and don't have enough money to diversify and buy all the stocks on the ROIC portfolio in the same percentages, just focus on focus on the our favorite ones. I don't believe I said this from the very beginning. Diversification is for mutual fund managers and and risk averse ETF people. We are here to not diversify. We are here to do the opposite because the things that have built wealth for me and my colleagues and my friends who think very similarly to me, which again, we're kind of not, I, I think very differently from a lot of my Wall Street friends because I'm a bit of a maverick. Like I, they, they think I'm weird. Oh, you suck for thinking about Bitcoin. Okay, fine. I bought my first Bitcoin at 300. So who's laughing now, right? It's like that kind of thing. Concentrated bets work better and concentrate in the ones that have the best asymmetrical risk reward. And that means that your upside is very high and your downside is 100% or 50 or 25%, right? <laughs> I got a funny, funny chat in the uh, ROIC uh, uh, Discord. Um, concentrate on that, right? So if you look at the ROIC big board, they're clear like some, we have some sleepy ones that anchor the portfolio. Ignore those. That's not going to compound your like $5,000. Like focus on the ones that I like, I, I'll, I'll give, I give free ones out here all the time. Like, like Bitcoin. It's my, I think it's the one, if you're a subscriber, it's my featured video and I haven't changed my featured video. Uh, like my tar price target over a decade is half a million bucks per Bitcoin. The downside is you buy, I mean, guys, and for those of you new to Bitcoin, you can buy a, fra a millionth of a Bitcoin. So you don't need to buy a full $35,000 Bitcoin. Look, let's say you can, you could have $30,000. You buy one Bitcoin and your downside is $30,000, but your upside is, I don't know, half a million dollars, right? So that's how I would think about it. Because at the end of the day, um, when you're dealing with small dollars, uh, especially in the States, right? Even if you have a job as a like a construction worker or whatever, like it doesn't really matter because you're making like enough money where a thousand dollars, like if you just stop, if you just don't buy that Starbucks coffee for a year, like that, that'll make up your loss. Right? So I'm saying is the diversification starts coming into play. Once you start coming into real money, like once, once your, your investable assets, they are big enough to be like, well, I don't want to lose a hundred percent of this. Okay. 
Um, and to me, like it, it depends on who that is for person. Everything's opinions on advice is not financial advice, please. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, I mean, for me, that was about when I crossed in the free money where I was investing it, maybe like 50 to a hundred thousand. And then you start kind of diversifying and stuff like that. Um, and obviously it, the game changes when you're at a million or 5 million, et cetera. So, um, that's just my opinion. Cool. My opinion, not advice. Uh, okay. So do we have some voicemail questions? Okay. We have like five voicemails. I'm going to I'm going to do one more row of question. Cause this one's pretty easy. What city looks as attractive as Nashville did eight years ago for a real estate boom? What made Nashville seem like it was a good opportunity and what should we look for to identify places like this in the future? So this is why I don't, um, I don't love pigeonholing myself into a certain investor type, right? Like I am skilled at corporate finance and valuation, which is stocks and distressed debt or whatever. But at the end of the day, we're in it for returns. The opportunity that we saw in Nashville possibly doesn't, it, I know it does. I don't think it exists in the same sense today. Now rates were reasonable. People were moving to the second city, zero income tax states. Like, right. I was four or five years early to the trend, but now like a guy like Graham Stephan has, uh, um, he posts, you know, gets a million views on him leaving LA for Las Vegas. But that's a trend that I front ran by five years, half a decade. And other people front ran that train probably like seven to 10 years before, right? But that kind of is a good example of my risk tolerance on growth. I'm not going to be the first to genomics, but I'll be, so I won't be like Kathy Wood and I won't be 10 years early, but I'll be like five years early. Like that's who I am. And so when we're five years early, my thing is there only is uh, a real estate boom like this and huge, massive trend pandemic aside. Uh, I mean, that might be a once in a lifetime trend in the, in America. So unfortunately the, the real estate city thing might be tapped. Like you want to look at the writing on the wall where everyone's moving and for certain taxation dynamic regime reasons, right? And something that I knew very viscerally because I lived in Manhattan. I owned an apartment in the West Village in Manhattan. And, you know, when I moved here and when we were like, we're visiting here because I had a friend here. And it's like, wow, quality of life goes up. My paycheck goes up by 10% post-tax. Uh, it's a good city. There's enough food and drink and everything. Like, I don't need to, I'm not going to miss New York City that much like I do. But, um, yeah, so I would say, unfortunately, I don't know. Uh, I don't think there is the same trend in the same uh, earlier stage, but I do believe the trend will continue. So I do believe if you're looking, like if I'm looking at deploying capital right now in, in real estate markets, which I'm not, especially in this interest rate environment. So yeah, this interest rate environment, not a great place, time to invest in single family rentals. Um, I would still be looking on betting on, on a continuation. Austin, Phoenix, Vegas, uh, maybe, I don't know Vegas. It tends to be very poppy over there. But Austin, Phoenix, uh, Dallas, uh, Tampa, uh, Charlotte. It's kind of Atlanta, not less so Atlanta. Uh, there's a couple other ones that I really like. But um, those are the ones I really like. 
But again, I, I don't, I'm out of the market. I, I don't think there's not a place in real estate that I am like, that smells really good to me that like, yeah, anyway, so cool. Let's go to voicemail questions. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate you all. For those of you that are just filtering in, please don't forget to smash that like button and uh, also subscribe to the channel if you're new here and want more analysis from a, uh, a thoughtful investor, right? Yes, I am a stock hedge fund analyst by trade and career, but you know we're just investors here. Cool, awesome, thank you so much. Uh, and again, hopefully we get Fundrise content on here and get their view because they're in the real estate markets. They have their pulse everywhere. And I would like them to give back to the community. I mean, they already give to the community by sponsoring this content, um, Fundrise, but also um, with more content. I think that would be really great because content is king. Um, cool. Appreciate you all. And okay, let's go to some voicemail questions. I'm going to take it from the top. All right, so someone called in. I'm gonna take it from when this stream actually started, so 7 p.m. Hey, Justin, uh, I'm a uh, Reddit member, and I just wanna say thank you for everything you've been doing. Uh, my accounts are up almost 20% since I joined, so I just wanna right. say thank you. But um, I have a quick question. Um, I was just wondering about your thoughts on Allegiant Airlines. I uh, saw an article in Barron today saying that some of the hedge funds are jumping back on board with that. just wanted to know your thoughts on that. Allegiant Airlines. Okay, so sorry, I had to get the exact airline. So the question was about Allegiant Airlines. Thank you so much for being a Roic member, and thank you for the call. So you're kind of double, uh, a double star in my in my eyes here. So Allegiant Airlines. Let's take a look at Allegiant Airlines. Um, Allegiant Airlines. So domestic, they're a discount. I, I believe they're more like a discount flyer, right? Allegiant Air. Uh, yeah, low fares, nonstop, probably on par with um, Sun. Well, guys, I'm, I'm blanking, but other kind of like discount airlines in, in the United States. Um, Sun Country is one. Um, I forget. I'm, I'm blanking. But put in the chat if you guys, if you guys fly discount airlines. Um, all right. So I, I have Allegiant ticker ALGT. Let's take a look at their stock, ALGT. All righty, so it's up 13%. Clearly there's more momentum in the stock. Uh, oh wow, they're at all time highs. So maybe they're taking share now. Um, they're trading at 220 bucks a share. They're trading at a $4.5 billion valuation, which is third, uh, 13 times forward EBITDA, but they're expected to like basically bounce back completely in 2021. But the free cash flow yield is very, very high. But again, we don't, airlines are bad business models. Uh, and it looks like they might have in the mid teens free cash flow yield. So I can't comment on why everyone is so bullish on the yeah, okay so here's the barons article why everyone on wall street is so bullish on allegiant the valuation looks higher than it used to be for sure but it's also like oh well, i have to i think i subscribe oh maybe not but i think you would need to believe in it in leisure travel really roaring back and the problem with some of the uh, legacy airlines right now is that 
uh, half of their half of the industry's profits come from corporate travel, and corporate travel ain't coming back anytime soon. Uh, but like leisure travel definitely is. So in that sense, and again, leisure travel in discount airlines too, like cheap uh, non-international flight stuff, right? So um, yeah, so that's that. I would say dig into it more uh, for us. Dig into it more. And uh, if you think that they're going to take market share and you think that uh, like leisure travel is coming back, I think it could be a good value play for sure. But I mean, they're already at all time highs. So I'm not really I'm not really sure if the trade is done. But I mean, it's been the best airline stock of the last year. Highly flexible operating model, packs flights on Sundays, leisure travel, uh, domestic. Anyway, okay. So, yeah, I mean, it, it seems to be a good bet. If you're going to do airlines, it's probably not for me. But if you're going to if you're going to go into airlines, I think Allegiant, uh, Southwest, like these domestic travel ones, are the ones to go to, go with. And I said that from from way back when, right? So, thank you so much. I appreciate a thousand likes. Thank you so much. This is crazy for me. Um, I appreciate you all. But if you're new here, definitely let's let's beat that goal. I appreciate it. So don't forget to like the video. Um, keep it going. Keep a good thing going. So let's, uh, man, we have like a lot of voicemails. I won't be able to get to all of them, but we'll try. I'm going to be quicker with these. We got half an hour left. This is Alex. Quick question for you. So I know you talk a lot about how high growth companies grow into these insane valuations and sort of the stock price. My question for you is for a company like Tesla, for example, with a stock price at almost a thousand, are you saying that eventually in the future, the stock price can go sideways until the actual company grows into that valuation. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the a stock price is basically valuing a company, right? Uh, the stock price times the number of shares plus all the debt is the value of the company, the total value of the company. Uh, what people don't realize when they, they are new to the market and, and people usually come to the market during times of high volatility and where prices are either below or above uh, where, um, where their fundamental valuations are. So we're in an optimistic bullish market and everybody's getting interested because it's up, 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 up. Or everyone's getting really interested because the market's crashing and they want a discount. Uh, and then you get a lot of these people who are new and say, bro, you're so old school, like fundamentals don't matter. It's all about market dynamics. Yeah, for sure in the short term. But at the end of the day, if a stock price is low enough, you have private equity firms out there that will buy the whole, this is a family show, gosh darn thing, right? And so if you're going to buy the whole thing, I may make this like Warren Buffett farm analogy. If you buy a farm, let me put this away. If you buy a farm, you bought the farm for the cash flows that it produces. And you're happy with that for the price that you paid. And then you have Mr. Market coming around, which is a crazy drunk dude next door. He's like, I'll offer you a million dollars for that thing. I'll offer And then the next day he comes back, I'll offer you half a million for that thing. Cause he's drunk and weird. Right. And that's the market It's a drunk, crazy person. And, uh, and you can sell to them if you want, 
or you can not sell it to them. Like Silicon Valley has now perfected the art of not going public for a long, long time. And um, yeah, and so those of you that have been with the, uh, the, the channel know the farm analogy. So what I'm saying is the price is just that crazy drunk person quoting what he thinks that farm is worth that day. But the value, the true value of that company or that farm doesn't actually change. You're working it every day. The people work there every day. You and I get a W-2 income at the places we work every single day, right? Like the people are still at Tesla. Like, honestly, they don't wake up and see it, think like, I'm a Tesla employee. What is Tesla's stock price? They wake up and think, oh man, like Elon's going to be really mad at me because this, this like paint is off, right? That's a productive company. That's a farm. And the value of that farm is just stays the same except, you know, unless, you know, the company actually grows and grows and grows their revenues and, and their revenue abilities, right? Profitable revenue abilities. Uh, so right now we're in an extended period of time where everything's like up, right? The, the prices are moving up faster than the actual value of the company. And there are a lot of reasons for that. And we write a lot about that at a couple cents.com about like interest rates, yield curve, uh, optimism, uh, stim, stimmy checks, uh, boredom. Like there's just so much, right? And, you know, and it could be, it could end in one way. It, could, it, it can't go up forever, right? The, the higher it goes up, the, high, the more likely it is to be an Icarus story. Okay, come on. This, this, I'm going to have to figure something out. Hold on. I'll have to serenade you while I fix. Yeah, my camera's overheating. It's kind of crazy. Maybe I'll turn on the uh, AC. Just give me a sec. This is crazy. I have to juggle another thing in these live streams. Um, uh, okay, so <laughs> uh, it can end in two ways, right? It can stabilize, the stock price can stabilize and then wait for the, uh, the valuation to catch up before it, it, it turns higher, right? Or it can go up super fast and be Icarus and it's too far close to the sun and then somehow crash, right? Um, I'm not saying it's going to crash. Tesla's going to crash. I don't think, like, if I had to guess, it's probably not going to crash because it's just got such a loyal investor base. Like, man, like, I love Tesla. It's my favorite thing in the world. Um, but if you look at, like, I think people forget, right? Y'all must have forgot. Let's look at Tesla stock. Tesla is, is the same company with, with the same dude that I've loved since for the past more than a decade. I've been, a, I've been an Elon Musk fanboy for more than a decade. But look at for five years, you, this stock was trading between 50 bucks a share and 40, 50 bucks a share. For five, four or five years, this whole this stock, you wouldn't have made any money and you would be losing money compared to the whole, like while the whole market increased during this time. And that's because it was so fledgling back then that the stock was highly valued based on the minimal revenues and cars they are actually delivering. And they needed the fundamentals to catch up. And then once it did, look what happened. So, you know, Tesla's valuation is stretched, but it's not going to, um, I don't know if it's going to crash, right? It might crash, but it might not. Um, but I do know that it just can't keep rising and eventually it'll taper off until the fundamentals can catch up.
right? So that's what I mean by that. Thank you so much for being here. If you're new here, welcome, welcome. We talk about investing, all things investing. If it's not stocks, it's real estate. If it's not real estate, it's Bitcoin. If it's not Bitcoin, it's Ethereum. If it's not Ethereum, then it's uh, fine art. If it's not fine art, then it's, um, what else? Pokemon cards? No, we're not buying those. Um, Okay. Let's see, what else do we have going? Okay, here's a question from the Roic community. Is there any, are there any advantages to invest in Grayscale BTC or ETH fund over a competing fund like BTCG.U or QBTC.U? BTCG stock. So this one is uh, basically, I think it's Canadian, it's the Canadian version of the Grayscale fund. I'm American, so I invest in the, and this, this stuff didn't exist back when I was investing, like in 2016, uh, in, in that. So I don't really see a reason why BTCG is bad as long as you trust that company. I trust Grayscale because they were so early and they, they're like a thought leader in the space, right? Grayscale.co. Um, but, and the premiums aren't bad this, in this cycle. That's why I think this bull cycle's got a lot more room to run. If you kind of look at, right? You're not paying really. A, 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 I remember when at the peak of last bull cycle, GBTC was trading at 100% higher than net asset value. Okay, come on. This is so annoying. Should I just switch to my like uh, my webcam? Well, this is how you know I'm not a Wall Street shill, huh? It's like they would be much more funded and this wouldn't happen. Um, anyway, so I'm showing my screen here. Uh, market price per share is, uh, yeah, you're not paying a premium. So I don't, I would prefer Grayscale to be honest because they're just such a thought leader uh, right now. But I mean, if you're, in, if you're in Canada and you're Canadian and you're, you can, the BTCG and what was it? Uh, QBTC, which are the Canadian ones. Um, are easier to do in your retirement funds, then yeah, I mean, I don't really see a reason why as long as you trust the company. Um, Galaxy. Uh, Galaxy Bitcoin fund. Oh, well, Galaxy, is that... uh, This might be... Yeah, anyway, whatever. Uh, So Mark, that one is done. Uh, is there somewhere we can view the pipeline of stocks you plan to cover in Morning Sense or Making Sense? Morning Sense is really just coverage of business news. Um, so the answer is no there. And then Making Sense is just more of a macro view of the world of that week. And I cover the, if I can get, do this full time and, and, and really cover more. Um, we're, I have big plans to cover more stocks and go deeper into a lot more stocks. Right now my capacity is obviously limited. So that's that. Um, how to identify potential catalysts that will drive the stock price up? Do you see a near-term catalyst for uh, our favorite value stocks on the big board? Well, for the one with the shorter ticker. So if you guys want to see the Roic big board and support the content, go to a couplesense.com and sign up for Roic. We have an amazing, amazing community on there. Um, and so the near-term catalyst for that one, which is our... Uh, telecom value stock that we like that we have a core position in or it's building to a core position. I don't need a catalyst for that one. Cause that thing carries like a six or 7% dividend yield. So even if it goes sideways, I'm making six or 7% on my money. So that's what 
Dis- uh, yeah, I mean, we like Disney. Disney's less so, right? It doesn't really do as much of a, of a, um, of a, what do you call it? Um, a dividend, but uh, yeah, my, my brain fart over there. This, this camera thing is really, really uh, throwing me off. This is, uh, this is really throwing me off. Okay, let's go to some voicemails. <laughs> hey guys, if you're new here, please uh, like the video for my channel and subscribe if you want more investing content. And I uh, really appreciate you all. I, uh, we're getting to the point where I can't answer everybody on DMs and stuff. But uh, seriously, like I treat this as just a big group of friends talking about what I would otherwise be talking to the wall about is investing and uh, doing well together. So you guys can follow along. Um, let's do... Hi, Justin. Uh, thanks for everything you do. I love looking forward to your videos every week. Uh, my name's Eric. been a long, pretty long time uh, ROC Connect member. And my question is... Thank you. I was wondering if you could take a look at Smile Direct Club, ticker, ticker SEC. Uh, it's a pretty good growth company. They, they trade like eight times forward gross profit, it looks like. And they're kind of... Uh, they do a direct-to-consumer like teeth straightening. I was wondering if you could take a look at it. Align, they're sort of like their competitor, trades at a much richer premium to them, so I thought it was a good value. All right, Justin, thanks for all you do. Have a good one. All righty, SDC. So I definitely know who they are. They are a Nashville-based uh, company, actually. Ticker SDC stock. Let me see if I can get this. Uh... All right, cool. Things. Okay, so Smile Direct Club is down by 10% today, over 10%. 13 bucks a share. It's trade. It's grinded up from five bucks a share in last year. It hasn't been doing that good. So, what I think is keeping this stock down. So right now, you're right at 12, at about 12.90 a share. The stock is trading at 7.6 times forward gross profit, but it's down 13% on revenues this year. But before that, it was basically doubling, doubling every year. I mean, they, they were putting a lot of money into marketing. I don't love the company because, I mean, it, it trades at a, a discount to f- the gross profit multiples that we like generally because it's not a software company. Like once you use them, you're not a customer anymore, right? Uh, unlike if I sell you... Um, I don't know, like if, if, if Robinhood acquires you and spends a bunch of marketing dollars to acquire you, like you're going to be supposedly trading on that platform forever. Uh, or I don't know, name an app like Facebook or something. Um, so uh, what I would say is it doesn't look all that screaming by because you need to believe that revenue growth returns right now. They they're they're losing revenue. I also remember that they have a lawsuit out against them by basically dentists that are saying um, that are basically saying uh, you guys are killing our. They're basically saying you guys are killing our uh, like our business, and you're you're like you're gonna hurt people by adjusting their teeth the wrong way because there aren't dentists doing it. It's like just a bunch of random people like doing the the the. Uh, the molds and stuff like fundamentally as a free markets guy, I call BS on that. Like, I don't know. Sorry to add the dentists in here, the, you know, whatever it's, it's, it's a, it's a collusive, um, industry. 
it's a collusive industry. And like, if, if this isn't like going to kill me, if like, I don't know, whatever. Um, but I, I mean, I, I like the company. I think they're growing a lot, but my, I have my big, it doesn't look like a screaming buy today because they, you need to believe in a turnaround in revenue growth. You need to believe that they win their fight against dentists. And, uh, you also need to believe that their customer acquisition costs over or customer lifetime value or CLV or LTV, depending or over customer acquisition cost is good. I don't know what it is. So, um, I'd have to look into that. So not a screaming buy right now. Uh, you'd have to do a lot more work to really feel good about this one. And, and I think the stock is trading, uh, as such. Cool. Let's go to the next one. Hopefully the camera hey, doesn't I die. I want to ask you this question. I feel like it's something you probably thought about a lot as you talk about this being a struggle. Um, how do you know the difference between letting a winner run or if you're holding an overvalued stock that's due for correction? And I'd like to hear your explanation of uh, what can you look at, you know, if you have a, a good growing asset. And how can you tell the difference if it's just shot overvalued or if it's just popular and doing well? Thank you. So... I usually draw the line at 30%. If it's 30% higher than, if it's like 50 to 100% higher than uh, where I want the valuation to be right now, I'll probably, I'd rather just sell and buy in if, on weakness. Um, this is a personal style thing. The answer is no one knows really, right? It's a style, it's an investing style thing. So I personally like to let things run um, up to like 50% higher than my target price if I really love the business. And the further it gets above my price target, the more I, I'm okay with losing that extra 20, 25%. I'm not really here to maximize 20% returns for you all. I'm not here to maximize 8% returns for you all. Like we sold off Spotify from the heroic big board the day, like two days before they reported earnings and the stock tanked 8%. But in my mind, like, first of all, I don't see the future. No one does. If anybody says that based on charting and stuff, like it's BS. Uh, because I know real traders on Wall Street. And like, if they really could do that, I could raise them billions of dollars if they could do that. Um, so, but the answer is like, yeah, like that timing was really good. But even if I held Spotify and it tanked 8%, like that doesn't phase me. Right? We're here for 2x, 5x, 10x types of things over years. I'm not here for like maximizing the 10% returns for you all. Or me, right? Or me. It's just too much stress. If I'm really upset about losing 10% because I didn't maximize or I didn't trade around earnings, like here's the thing with Peloton. Like I don't really care. They smashed it. They're still smashing it. Demand is off the charts. They're not even in more than like five countries. And, and I know like I have some people, uh, some friends here on the, on the channel that loves, uh, that they're in Singapore, right? And they say like, we, we can't wait till we get uh, Peloton here. Correct me if I'm wrong though. Um, and uh, like, it, it, you don't need to believe that everybody gets Peloton. You just need to believe that a bunch of upper middle class, like millennial people like it. That's all you need. And so I don't really care, even if they missed earnings a bit, as long as like the fundamental story of like, this company is doubling every year. There is so much demand. They're not running out of demand and growth isn't slowing. Like that's all I need to know. And then I need to gut check that against the valuation. And as long as the valuation isn't like twice as much as what my target price is, then I'm keeping it. So 
but that's a personal style, right? That's a personal style. Um, cool. Let's go to the next one. Hi, Justin. This is Jazz. Um, I just had a question. You always say that you missed out on a lot of games on Apple, but I was wondering what would you recommend if I'm 20 years old and I'm investing in growth companies? Would you recommend me just hold Zillow for the long term, like or Spotify or something, or just follow the ROIC Big Board and like sell when you're selling? Yeah, so I would say ROIC Big Board, but focus on the ones with the highest upside. So, like, I will invest in something that has a 15% return, but I'm imagining, unless you come for money, if you're 20 years old, you don't have that much money to put to work, right? Um, and right, like when you, when you start working in a couple of years, like your first paycheck will be probably more like, I don't know, like the first six months of working and saving and not spending too much will be much more than what money from allowance and stuff that you have now. Right. So, um, again, everyone's different and this is all opinions and advice, all opinions and advice. Don't ever misconstrue this as advice. Um, so I would say like go for the higher risk upsides. And if you lose it all, like it's fine, right? It's like, like, like a Bitcoin kind of thing, like Bitcoin, Ethereum. Um, we have some high upside guys on the, on the rope big board. And as long as you just keep playing this game, like just keep playing that like asymmetrical upside and downside type of thing. So that's how I would do it. Um, if you all are, um, if you all are, uh, you know, new to the channel, thank you so much for being here. Don't forget to smash that like button. How many likes are we at guys? I gotta refresh the screen, guys and girls. Uh, oh, 1.1 1 .1 or 1,100 likes. Thank you so much. We hit our goal, so uh, appreciate you all. But definitely still like the video if you haven't already. Uh, I wanna see how I can go. Uh, this is so cool. So thank you everyone, I appreciate you all. Let's do, um, okay. Uh, Thoughts on Futu, F-U-T-U. This is a question from Roic members. Uh, Futu, Futu. We looked at this last time. My question, though, is how Futu looks interesting, right? We want to invest in the um, Robin Hood of China. But my question is, right, this thing is out of the charts, growing like tripling every year, Uh trading at like 30 times for gross profit. But I also, someone has, I saw a pitch out there that said, uh, hold on, let me find it. Another company was the Robin Hood of China. So if any of you are in like Hong Kong or Singapore and like have more relatives in China proper and can give us a little bit, this is why I love community, can give us more commentary on what really is the Robin Hood of China. Um, Hold on. Okay. Up FinTech Holding T-I-G-R. So we're going to compare F-U-T-U, which is supposedly the Robin Hood of China, right? And then we're going to compare that against T-I-G-R stock, which is also supposedly the Robin Hood of China. Are they both the Robin Hood of China? Or are they like Robin Hood and Weeble? Put it in the chat or actually put it in the comment if you think that, um, if you think that, if you have some more commentary on that. Uh, I think 
TIGR is valued a little bit better. TIGR. Let's look at them. We I know someone. Yeah, I mean this one. This one's crazy. They're both rallying like crazy because people are discovering it. Uh, TIGR is smaller, about half the size based on revenue, or maybe no, sorry, a third or a fourth of the size. And but they're like doubling and tripling. They're like doubling every year. And they're trading at like. I mean, let's go on revenue. They're trading on at like 20, sorry, 21 times forward sales and Futu is trading at this one. Futu is trading at 24 times forward sales. Like, yeah, I think it could be good, but maybe if, if unless someone who's more familiar with the China market can give us some context, uh, why don't we buy, um, I mean, if you want to play this, maybe buy both of them. They they both look like decent trades, and I just don't know the difference. Um, I don't know the difference. So uh, anybody know? Okay, so some some of the comments are streaming in. Futu and TIGR are the ones. Uh, okay, so yeah, so I would say maybe a combination of both for those of us. Oh, Spencer is saying TIGR in Singapore is growing fast. The app sucks, though. <laughs> That's funny. Um, just don't do China. Understandable for sure. Kevin Costner version of Robinhood is the best. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Um, okay, cool. Thank you. Okay, so we'll just move on to that one. So uh, I know people were asking for me to look into UWMC. I did pull up uh, some documents about it, if you give me a sec. So last time, UWMC stock. So this one was a SPAC deal. It was a uh, 8K agreement, there it is. Let me pull it up for you all. We do real work here, real research, and our cameras really fail here. Um, so. UWM is like a mortgage broker. So they make money the more people uh, take out mortgages in the US. And uh, I, I had a chance to kind of briefly look at this. Um, they're a pretty big company, actually. So uh, they're the number two mortgage orig originator and number one wholesale originator. So they're big. If they 33% share of the wholesale mortgage originations in the US, so mortgages, for those of you that are young and don't know, you borrow money to buy a house. That's what a mortgage is. Um, generally backed by fa uh, government, semi-pseudo government agencies, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. And uh, yeah, so they have lower rates than they otherwise would. Uh, overview of the business model. Uh, yeah, Rocket Mortgage, Chase, and they, they try to sell... Um, they basically lend money directly to consumers, but uh, you know there are like like if I go on Zillow right now, Zillow, right, and I say uh, find agent finder or uh, um, mortgage rates in Maryland, and I get you know basically if I click on oh wait actually if I go like. Uh, I don't know, mortgage, find mortgages. I don't know. So 
Anyway, the, the people that will come up here are mortgage agents, right? And they'll call you and they'll sell you a mortgage, a legitimate mortgage. Uh, but it'll be done through mortgage brokers and like on through the wholesale channel, as opposed to going directly to Loan Depot, Guaranteed Rate, Chase, or Rocket. Um, so, you know, we can read through all this. I just want to give you a quick valuation because I, I wasn't able to do it last time. Um, it seems like they're behemoth in the industry. But again, like our, we had a huge uh, refinancing cycle because rates are so low. So everybody refinanced their home. I did, um, you know. So they expect revenues to, or sorry, EBITDA to, to go to about $2.5 billion in 2022 and 2021. So uh, let's see here. Let me just take this back. So we're going to UWMC stock. So they're trading around their, um, their SPAC price of 10 bucks, so 1039, 1605.2, trading at a $16.7 billion valuation divided by 2.5 billion, 6.7 times EBITDA, not that much growth. I mean, it looks pretty fairly valued. It, it looks like a value play, like a cash value play, uh, like probably decent returns, but it's not going to be like an asymmetrical upside downside reward. Um, so that's that's just the, the the nail in the coffin there. Doesn't look like another rogue big board one. Maybe, maybe like we'll think about it. Um, thank you, everyone. Let's do a voicemail for sure. I had a quick question. I was reading uh, the book. Oh, wait. Sorry. We're doing one question per person because we just have so many now. Just in a, uh, seeing what your take is on L-I-Z-I. -I. This thing has been uh, on quite a run the last three days. Um, I assume they are a, an audio platform for more independent uh, consumers and broadcasters, I believe. Um, but just want to see what your thoughts are. L-I-Z-I. -I. Holy crap, this thing is a ADR, so it's a foreign stock. Uh, it's a Chinese company, Liz He, not Lizzo. And let me look into them. Not Lizzo, Liz E. Liz E. Financials. Trading at 11.5 times forward gross or whatever, like 10 times forward gross profit sort of thing. Maybe 10 to 15 times. It's kind of hard to tell because these things aren't really covered at 15 bucks a share. After hours, it's eight, up 18%. Uh, they're growing at like 25% a year, uh, year over year. But what do they do? Liz He. Uh, what are they branded? They're like a podcast company. What do they do? Another Chinese stock. Okay. Chinese China based company, mainly engaged in user generated content uses a mobile phone to create store, share and interact in real time. It's business model includes live social networking, paid content, fan membership, game, intermodal transportation. So it seems almost like a, a mobile version of Patreon, 
but mostly audio. So some amalgamation of Patreon and uh, maybe uh, Clubhouse. I don't know if you guys heard of that, that one. Maybe. I don't know. The answer is I don't know. This one, I don't know anything about it. I can't find out. The Chinese, small Chinese companies scare me because of the accounting stuff. So, um, yeah, so I probably probably pass on it. But, I mean, if, if you – I don't know. The valuation looks fine if you think it's, like, going to just crazy, um, like, multiply for sure. Looks fine. But, uh, you know, for now, for the fundamentals, like, it's just kind of trend chasing here. Um, but if you think they're going to kill on revenues like the next couple of years, like, yeah, now's as good as the time as any for sure. So definitely do more work on this one. It's interesting. Small, tiny China. I know a lot of us are afraid of like the Chinese stocks because I mean, like even a big stock, like, uh, was it luck and brand luck and coffee was it, like fraudulent. It's kind of hard, right? Um, so, all right, we're running up against the hour and a half mark. And uh, maybe I'll give you five to seven more minutes. But let's try another voicemail. Hey, Justin. Nedi here again. Thanks for providing all the equity research you give us. Really appreciate it. Um, I've been really interested in a deep value play. It's called Kimball International, ticker symbol KBAL. Their financials look pretty healthy. They've been, you know, sustaining revenue pretty well with COVID. And their business model looks more... Um, resilient than what the market's pricing in, I think. And it's also a Michael Burry's, one of his top holdings, and we know what his, how his top holding performed, GME. So just wanted to see a quick take of yours on this one. Yep, thanks in advance. Ticker KBAL, Kimball International. Kimber, Kimball International creates design-driven furnishings. I think I saw a pitch on this one, actually. Design-driven furnishings sells a portfolio of furniture products and services under three brands. I think Hedge Fund Henry told me about this one. It might be crazy. Hedge Fund Henry, those of you that have been on this channel know one of my really good friends who is very senior at a hedge fund. We name him Hedge Fund Henry. That's not actually his name. Um, I think he put me onto this one. They're trading at, yeah, this might be a really good value stock. All right, I'm going to save this one for a Relic Research Report. I should have listened to him, but it hasn't moved, luckily. So K, K, so many stocks look, ticker KBAL looks very interesting. I think it's trading at under five times EBITDA, depending on what you believe. And it's pretty interesting. Uh, they are a... Actually, wait, I'm on quarterly. Let me go to annual. Yeah, so, okay, so it's like a COVID thing. So basically they saw revenues decline by like um, 20% because people aren't moving around, right? Like you usually buy furniture when you move, uh, but it's a strong business. It's trading at like, through cycle, which is what we call like not counting even uh, not counting the pandemic. Uh, probably like 400, yeah, like four four times, yeah, four times EBITDA, five times EBITDA, which is really attractive. Uh, 
especially if you believe that people are going to move again. Really interesting. It's down 8% today or today. Okay. Relic members will see a report at some point if I can get to it. If I can get to it. It's always if I can get to it. Thank you all. Um, let's take one more question. Uh, one more question. And um, yeah, make my screen bigger. Okay. There it is. Uh, and then we'll, we'll do one last question and uh, we'll call it a night. Thank you everyone who's new to the channel. Thank, first of all, like the video for the algorithm, please. I would love you forever. I appreciate you all being here. Also subscribe to the channel if you want more investing content um, from a pro and from a friend, right? That's why we're here, so. Hey, Justin, thanks for everything you do. Um, I just had a quick question. You mentioned it in your earlier live stream about um, Moneyline compared to SoFi. So Moneyline has, is being rumored to merge with a SPAC, ticker S-U-S-E. was wondering if you had any thoughts um, on them as a company and how they would potentially compare to SoFi and Robinhood going forward. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, like in terms of how Moneyline compares to SoFi and Robinhood. I personally, well, first of all, Robinhood isn't public, so uh, that's that. I SoFi has a more well-known brand, in my opinion, uh, but Moneyline seems to be doing a very similar thing. So trying to disrupt banking, all-in-one mobile experience, Mobile banking, Roar Money account, Instacash Advance, Auto Invest, Credit Builder, Debit Card Rewards, um, Auto Investing, Credit Building that actually works. It's like a, a mobile app oriented, um, mobile app oriented bank, basically, right? Um, I know Capital One is the same thing, or mobile banks. Uh, mobile banks. Yeah, Ally Bank, Capital One, they've been doing it for a long time, but obviously they're not as good and not as sexy in terms of their apps. Like, this is pretty slick. This is slick, right? Um, and comparing it to SoFi, SoFi seems to do more, which I really like. Like, I don't like just being a normal depository like this. Like, SoFi, uh, not only do they do, like, the, uh, the like, saving and, and credit card stuff, they do like loan refinancing and loan stuff. And I think they have uh, a brokerage so you can buy stocks through them. So they have like multiple uh, revenue streams, right? Compared to Moneylion, unless Moneylion's website isn't showing me mobile banking, financial tracking. Okay, so yeah, yeah. So I think SoFi seems to be a more comprehensive product than Moneylion. Now, let's Google Money Lion SPAC. Fusion SPAC. Blank check company. Value the combined entity at Fusion Acquisition Corp. Fusion Acquisition Corp. Blank check company. Ticker Fuse. Let me look them up real quick for y'all. This is going to be the last question of the night, but... Um, F-U-S-U, ticker F-U-S-U. 
Fusion Acquisition Corp. There you go. Okay, so FUSU stock and it's so it's interesting. All right, I'll show you the screen. So Fusion Acquisition Corp is now rallied on merger talks to about 13.67 per share. Okay, so you're buying at a 30% premium to a deal that you don't know about yet. Uh, I have to look up the document. Have they filed yet? F-U-S-U dot. Um, yeah, so they don't, we don't know anything about the deal. We don't know how much money... Uh, we don't know how much money Moneyline makes, right? So uh, I would just say I'm not going to buy it because I don't know anything about the company and I don't just buy rumors because that's speculation, not investing. But uh, like, I mean, pre-deal, buying pre-deal SPACs and waiting for the announcement has been a winning strategy this year. So like if you're like a speculator who likes doing that, like you're not dumb for doing that. So yeah, like it probably rallies. It probably goes up by like five bucks a share or something because people like it. Uh, because SPACs have been doing that because that'll probably work until it doesn't. Uh, if we look at SoFi, I remember when we, when we looked at SoFi stock, right? Uh, oops. SoFi stock. What was the um, SoFi SPAC? Can't. Oh yeah, I'm I'm an idiot. It's IPOE, right? So IPOE at twenty five bucks a share. I remember I didn't like it. I remember the deal got. We looked at it like here, and I didn't like it. And it went down, then went up, and like it's gonna go up and down and up and down. So you're buying at two and a half times higher valuation than Chamatha's, just FYI. So um, I don't like either. Like, but I also think like if you're gonna just play the pump, like it's probably not a bad way to play the pump. So anyway, thank you everyone. I appreciate you all. I have to go eat. Uh, I think I'm gonna eat a burrito today. I'm not sure. Um, I'm a big fan of burritos. What about you guys? Anyway, if you guys want uh, to. Like definitely rewind to the beginning of the of the uh, podcast or stream or whatever. Sorry for the technical difficulties. I'm actually going to be moving out of this room, uh, hopefully this weekend. So hopefully it's a like a power issue and I can just fix that. And um, also rewind. If we talked about AMC at the beginning. AMC, GameStop, what I think we should do. We talked about Peloton's earnings. We talked all about a lot of stuff. So if you're new here, thank you so much. Also, hopefully you guys have a great weekend. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to do that lunchtime on Fridays. Uh, Fridays are kind of busy and it's a good time to catch up. So, uh, but I will definitely see you Monday and I will definitely see you uh, next Thursday. So definitely don't forget to tune in and uh, don't forget to hit that like button. If